Hey Jojo. So here we are, we're in Feb. Oh yeah. Do you remember this time last year? We were getting all a bit excited because it was my birthday. It was gonna, we were gonna go to Manchester and we had, well we did go to Manchester and we had a great time. Um, little did we know what was around the corner. It's been almost a year since we've had all this lockdown rubbish. That is absolutely nuts, isn't it? Do you think that there's been a change in terms of financial services and our personal finances? Or do you think we're actually just ending up like almost full circle and back where we started? So yeah, I think there will have been some changes in behavior. People, the way that they view their work-life balance, the way that they've saved. I think the last year has shaken people out of like their comfort zone and just doing what they're doing. So you write, like actually they maybe have more money because they can't travel or they are saving on the commute. And I feel like I'm hearing a lot more conversations. Like I'm hearing people in the office talking about ISAs where they weren't before or people saying, you know, I've got some spare cash, should I be looking at putting it into a property? Like those conversations are coming up more and more. And it could be the pandemic, it could be because we've been listening to the podcast and we've inspired them. You know, it's hard, hard to tell. <laughs> cause and effect. So yeah, also in the office, what's an interesting one is, so people are saving more, and there's kind of lots of studies and stats around over the last year how much people have on average saved. And then I think those studies in themselves have then become a catalyst because a couple of them in the office were saying, I've saved loads more than I ever have, but I feel like I haven't saved enough because I'm reading that people are saving X and I've only mm -hmm. saved blah. So almost, like they're getting kind of, not obsessive with saving, but it's suddenly become a thing and a very specific, tangible goal. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with any kind of motivational thing where it's kind of a competition with yourself and yeah. it's easier to snowball something than it is to get started. And when you've got nothing, you think, oh, I don't want to save £100 a month. But once you started saving it, you think, oh, I'm nearly at 1000 yeah. Oh, I might be able to put a bit extra but, in. Yes, it yeah. gets the same with, you know, losing weight or running. And yeah. you do the more it's, you do, the more you want to do. a lot of people to take that first step. Yeah. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, it's whether they kind of keep the momentum themselves afterwards when they yeah. are kind of back out. Do you remember when last month on Twitter everybody laughed at Joe for um, a really bad Amazon spending habits? <gasps> yes. So I decided February, Amazon. Yes. Remember, I, I mean, I made up the pun and it was stretched, I get it. No online buying whatsoever, so it wasn't just Amazon, nothing. Haven't bought a thing. Fantastic. Um, Spike, Michael's dad, said to me the other day, could you order me a whistle? <laughs> I know. See, this is how I end up with random things. In fact, he said, can you order me two whistles, um, two dog whistles, one for me and one for our Michael, for no apparent reason. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm on an embargo from buying things online, so I just can't. You will have to go out and source yourself a whistle. <laughs> From Whistle Stop Whistle Shop. <laughs> so, are you proud of us? Um, yes, I am. Mm -hmm. We're still only halfway through the month, but I feel like you've made a good good start. Um, you could have very easily gone, oh, well, I'm just ordering it for somebody else. And, you know, I don't know where else to buy whistles because I don't know where the whistle, whistle shop is. So the fact that you've still stuck to it is very good. Well done. You start buying a whistle, it's a gateway drug. What, it is. About, <laughs> what am I going to be buying next week? Bloody segue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the woman who was getting like 86 pence a week to stay at a pension. pension woman, yeah. And Crazy. Um, just assumed it was right. And that's what's dangerous because we've talked about it before, I think. Like legal stuff or medical stuff. And you just think, doctors and lawyers, that things are black and white and that they'll never ever make mistakes. And the government and computers do make mistakes. Yeah. Just assume that they know what they're doing. That they know yeah. it. Um, so she was getting 86 pence a week and then had seen something on TV, so actually made a claim to see if it was right and it wasn't. And she'd been getting underpaid for 12 years and actually got a lump sum of 42 grand plus then 
got yeah. paid right properly going was forward. It like eight, took it a week or something she was yeah. doing. It, it happened actually, funny enough. So Michael's mum and dad had moved in next door to us in the little cottage on the back and she'd got a bill for a ta- council tax um, and it was really high. That cannot be right because it's more than what I pay and yeah. we're literally on the same plot and my house is like twice the size of yours so how can it be the same? And she, but she just paid it. She, you know, she was just like, oh, I've got my bill through. I've had to pay my council tax. I hadn't realised I hadn't paid it since I moved in and... Um, and I said, honestly, I don't think it's right. Um, phone them back up and just ask them to check it. And they, it was wrong. And they sent a 300 quid back. Well, they said they would send it, I presume. Might be on for a future episode where we look into like all these areas where people are potentially overpaying without realising mm. it because you're just trusting, trusting the man. Yeah. The man's wrong. Our woman. Nah, women aren't wrong. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, but dog rock pensions, um, so we actually had a listener right in who, as you were saying, about... Oh, it makes it sound a bit 1970s. Right in. in. like, points of view. Uh, yeah, sent by Carrie Concerned Pigeon. Concerned from Carlisle. <laughs> I don't like that you saw some side boob on Emmerdale. <laughs> That's how they talk. <laughs> My child's 16 and he was still up at 7 o'clock. He definitely almost saw a bit of nipple. <laughs> Anyway, okay, it has emailed in. Thank you. About pensions and actually it's just that kind of almost where to start with it. So he had some specific questions. I was really excited um, when I saw this drop into the inbox. An actual real life case to talk through. Really good, isn't it? So he had some very specific questions. Do you want to go through them and I'll tell you what our responses were? Yeah. Okay, so first of all, so he's 26, he's earning 21,000 a year. And he's genuinely thinking, can I afford to be saving? Can I kind of put that money away? So do I spend £100 a month now when I could be using it to pay bills and probably need to? Or do I wait a few years until I'm earning more, maybe 25 grand or 30 grand a year and save it when I feel like I can afford it? Yeah, so what I would say to him was, it's the same as when you're planning for a baby or you're moving house or you do anything. If you think you have to wait until you've got enough money you're never going to get there. Yeah. You'll always think, oh, well, what about if... And especially the fact that he said, what about 25000 or 30000 You're just always going to move that benchmark. Yeah. Start now. Start with looking at what your bills are, what you've got left over, what you want to spend, and what you've got as disposable income that you can actually save with. So if it is £100, it is. If it's not, and it's 50 quid, it's still a start. Yeah. Um, you know, make a start. And certainly I would recommend that he looks into his workplace pension because that money comes off before you paid. It's exactly what I said to Lennon this week when he got his new job for six months um, and he got his auto-enrollment. Yeah. And he just said to me, can I get some advice? Should I be enrolling at this? And I said, yes, absolutely. You will not miss that money. It'll make no difference to you. It comes off your pay before you've even been paid. If you have to take that money out of the bank and transfer it somewhere else, you'll find it harder to save. Whenever you get anything through for your pension, just say yes. Always, and that would be right. <laughs> just say yes, new it's, slogan. It's like what Zamo said off of the grain chill, just say no, but just say yes. I agree. I, I thought exactly the same when I saw the message. Um, and I also think if you've got an extra five grand a year, by the time you've taken off tax and national insurance and then divided it and over the year... Contribution. And your pension <laughs> contribution. is that Literally, it's only like an extra 250 quid a month. He also asked about how much he should put in and whether it's worth looking at a percentage of his income or does he need to start looking at goal setting. I would suggest at his age that he just starts paying now and just starts building up a fund and seeing where he's at and reviewing it every year to think, can I afford to save more? If he's, you know, the kind of 26-year-old who goes... I want to retire when I'm 60 and I want to have £50,000 a year to retire on. Then brilliant work towards that goal. But I imagine most 26-year-olds 
they don't have it that set mm-hmm. and you know a lot can change in that time might get married you know there's lots of things can go on and um, might get married to a gold digger he's knackered <laughs> then isn't he um so i would suggest just pay what you can pay and a percentage is good but to me it's just what you can afford whether it's 10 pound a month or 10,000 pound a month whatever you can afford is what you should be saving yeah it's too far in the distance to have a very specific goal. So actually it's getting the ball rolling, it's getting used to it, it's starting to build it up and then you might be putting your £100 a month in. And then after a couple of years, you think, oh, okay, well, that's up to 1500 quid. Wouldn't that be good if I got it to two grand or wouldn't it? And then get it mm-hmm. to five and then it just becomes a thing in itself. And as you're getting closer to retirement, be a lot more tangible, then you will be able to say, well, what I want to do is, you know, I know how many kids I've got and I know where I want to live mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And I think if you try to get too hung up on goals right now, it can be overwhelming and actually stop you from taking any action. So it's kind of that small step and and just, yeah, getting it little going. Little and often. Little and often, yeah. Um, he did also ask a couple of questions around returns and what he thought he might get back and how will it be invested. It's very specific and very personal to people, how much they want, how much risk they want to take, how long they want to invest for. There's so many factors involved on how you invest everybody's very different yeah I agree I think there's no way of being able to give a generic response that will apply to everybody for what returns you could get however I think the point of long-term investing is that you're getting returns higher than cash which is currently about 0.2 so you absolutely should be looking sort of three four percent upwards but then also which we've touched on before risk and return go hand in hand so the higher the amount of potential return the higher the risk so if you see something offering you 10% or 12% steer far 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 away from it I think a a comfortable rule of thumb if if you wanted to do the maths and you wanted to go I'm just going to pop it into a spreadsheet put in £100 a month and apply a return over the next 30 years if you put 5% in I think that's not unrealistic for the vast majority of people for that length of time so I would say 5% as a figure would be because pensions in general, when you invest, you're not going to invest just in companies and in equities. They would have higher returns, like maybe 7 or 9%. But a fund that you'd invest in, which would be via workplace pension or a normal pension or a normal ISA, would be a mix of assets. So you might have some in there that produce around 7 or 9%. You might have some corporate bonds or gilts in it that are bringing in 3 or 4%. So on average, a mixed portfolio of assets... Five percent. It's still it's still fairly cautious, but if you've got higher returns, then great. But you're not kind yeah. of over expecting. It takes into account as well the fact that you know some years you might get ten percent return, but actually some years you'll get a very low return because of just the way the markets work. So what they try to do is, like Kathy said, do a balance of assets. So they work opposite ways. So when the returns are really high in equities, the returns on bonds and things are really low. So if you have a mix, you're always hitting in the middle. So if you invest fully in equities, yes, it'll go up, but it'll drop really sharply. Just to find a middle ground. But if you're seeing anything that's promising these double-digit returns, just run for the hills. Um, Yeah, so he was also asking around returns and what will my pension be invested in? It depends if you go into your workplace pension, there'll probably be a default fund and you absolutely should go and get that information, see which fund it is and see if you think it's right for you. Um, If you set up a pension on your own, you'll have to choose that fund. And again, it all comes down to kind of the level of risk and where you are and how much return you're looking for. Either way, the important thing is to know, like to actually know what's in it, because I think the vast majority of people don't. They've Mm -hmm. got a pension and they have no idea where it's invested because they think it's, well, they either don't know to look or they think they haven't got control over it and they haven't got a choice and you absolutely yeah, do. they don't know enough about it. Yeah. But again, you know, our inbox is open and they can always drop us a message and we can explain a little bit more about the different funds. Oftentimes, what you would see with a default pension fund is something called lifestyling. 
Um, so you'll see something and it'll say, for example, pension lifestyle fund moderate. Those words together, if you don't know finance, you won't know what that means at no. all. What it means, lifestyling, is where they start off quite risky when you're young, the fund, and then it'll take less and less risk as you get older to the point where it'll just be invested in cash towards the end of your pension scheme. So if you're retirement age of 65, probably from age 60 to 65, it'll just be in really low risk and cash funds. I think the main thing is because the challenge with pensions, with all investments, is that the funds don't say what they are on the tin. So they have weird names like lifestyling. The Vanguard one's called life strategy. Like they don't say anything, but they all have a description. So if you're in Aviva, for example, and you're in the Aviva managed fund, you can go to the Aviva website, you can click on managed, it will tell you exactly where it's invested, where it is on a scale of one to 10, and you can read that and start to build up a bit of a picture as to whether or not you think that's right for you. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the names are, you're exactly right, are just absolutely random, aren't they? You know, we've got ones like um, Unicorn funds yeah. and things now, haven't we? How was Troy any... Trojan, a Troy Trojan fund. Yeah. <laughs> that always makes me think. Very well protected. Oi, oi. <laughs> Um, and then his last question was around what, so okay, great. I'm putting my £100 a month in, it's grown and growing, I've put it into a fund that I kind of think is about right for me. I get to 65, say so it's built up and it's now worth £80,000. What happens then? Do I just get my 80 grand back? Like, what do I actually do? You've got a lot of different options. I'm not going to have to go into them all. But you can always, 99% of the time, take a quarter of it tax-free mm -hmm. as a lump sum, no tax. So there, immediately, you get 20 grand. Oh, I gave you a nice easy figure there, didn't Ooh, I? Thank <laughs> Thanks. So you remain in 60,000. Yep. yep. Fast maths. Um, you can then use that to take an income. You can use it for ad hoc payments. You can lock it in. You can sell it to an annuity company, so a pension company, which will say, for your £60,000, I will give you three grand a year for the rest of your life. And you can kind of sell it out that way. Or you can have control of it and you can keep it invested and you can take it as you need it to. So Yeah, and I think that 25% lump sum... So yes, there's no tax to pay on it, which is a big thing. And one of the incentives for people to put money in a pension. And quite often people will use that if they haven't already by that point, they'll be using it to pay off like what's left of their mortgage or any debts. So that as you're going into retirement and you no longer have earned income, you also no longer have the same level of outgoings. So, or yep. if you've been smart and paid off all your debt in the meantime, mm -hmm. it's just a big sexy holiday to boot off your retirement. <laughs> it really is world cruise. You can go on. God. Vegas. Yeah, buy a boat, go to Vegas. Um, but yeah, I it's plan kind of... to, you know, get myself a little gigolo. <laughs> Hiring for the year. Is that how much? Yeah, 20 grand bargain. <laughs> no. No, I'm just... Inflation. <laughs> gigolo to jiggle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> So he said with Steve, because he's fairly young, he doesn't need to get too hung up on end goals. He just needs to make a start. And the same with Lennon, like I said, with him and his pension. 
just start, paint it, and yeah. you know, we can review it in a few years' time. So if we go very broad strokes, so if we take Steve and, and then kind of almost go through the decades from now mm-hmm. when he's sort of 26 to say he's going to retire in 65, and how that changes. So in his 20s, we're saying, just get started, it's not a problem, invest in something reasonable, you've got a long time for your fund to kind of ride out any fluctuations, so don't panic if it's going up and down. At least 30 years at that point. At least 30, yeah, before you can physically access it. So sort of 10 years later... So then 10 years later, he's in his 30s, he's starting to build up a little bit of a pot. He mm-hmm. still might be very clear on his retirement goals, which I think the difference is for Steve if he's at I that stage. I just think in your 30s, you're starting to maybe settle down a little bit in life. You might have found your partner, you might be deciding whether you have kids or not. You've probably on the property ladder yeah. and you do start to have a, a bit of a clearer idea of what your end goal might be. Yes, and what I was just thinking as well is actually all of those things, like you know, marriage, divorce, kids houses um they're not cheap so actually it's um your earning potential might be higher in your 30s but your outgoings it's no longer just you Mm -hmm. know getting yourself to the nightclub and getting a dirty mackie d's breakfast the morning after like actually there is that commitment which is another reason for not be thinking i'll put it off until i'm earning more because actually your outgoings aren't going to stay the same agreed so i think it's it's then at that point it's still the consistency but you might be starting to be a bit more aware of kind of your longer term goals maybe looking at where your Mm -hmm. funds invested and getting a bit more involved in it there is lots of trials and tribulations I think in the 30s and 40s when like you say people will move up in their um, earning potential but actually there's so many other life factors involved at that time it's probably not until you start to come out of your 40s that you can probably settle down all right just trying to move the entire demographics so that it suits you because you haven't started your pension plan <laughs> <laughs> nobody is doing it in the 40s absolutely nobody I think again if we're just going for averages yeah if you've had kids in your 30s then by the time you're mid to late 40s, they might be starting to get to college, less of a drain on you, but your earnings might be increasing. So I guess at that point, I think we talked about this before. The thing is, later on, kids fly the nest, you know, in your 50s and you genuinely do have good money. Can you start whacking more and more into your pension? You can, but... What we've talked about before is if you started it in your 20s, you don't need to because that compounding effect of it yeah. is far more efficient to be doing little from much earlier than hoping and relying on being able to do huge chunks later. Because actually when you're in your 50s and your kids have flown your nest, that's when you want to go on your holidays and you want to go and do extra things. You might want to pay off your mortgage a bit earlier so you've got that financial freedom. You might want to drop your hours at work to look after grandkids. You know, yeah, you're giving yourself, yeah. by making a choice in the twen- in your 20s, you're giving yourself more freedom. Yeah, not grafting, grafting, grafting to suddenly plan yeah. for your, your um, and then retirement to last think, minute. Actually, the, I've just stopped paying university fees. Um, the kids are gone, so now I have to put two grand a month into a pension. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of money compared to just paying 100 quid a month when you're, you know, 20 just for ages and you're used to it. Um, yep, so you're in your 60s. Do you know what? Genuinely, if you're in your 60s and you haven't done a lot of retirement planning, if you have, if you're Steve and you've been gone all this time, then great. If you're not Steve and you weren't smart and you didn't um, start putting money away decades earlier, you there's a lot of consideration as to whether it's even worth putting into a pension at that stage because, yes, you get the tax relief in, but you're also paying it coming straight back out. You can't really invest for the long term. And depending on the amount of money you've got, you might, by that stage, be just as good using an ISA and mm-hmm. actually having the flexibility around it. But there's other options. You know, pensions aren't the be-all and end-all of everything retirement planning. Yes, there's good tax reasons to use them, but... You know, a lot of people get to that age and think they've got their state pension. That might be enough to kind of live on day to day. They might downsize the house. Not if it's 84 pence a week. They might do, you know, release some equity from their property. There's There are other options. You know, I don't want everyone to start panicking that they're 60-year-old and have not yet paid into a pension. 
So exciting news, we are now sponsored by Audible, um, which... Oh, does this mean I get a free subscription? Uh, <laughs> because I pay for my subscription with Audible. So exciting news. <laughs> Exciting news are now sponsored by Audible, which awesome. is fab and it's great to have them on board with the podcast. Um, it's interesting because I personally haven't previously listened to audiobooks, but um, I think this might be the incentive that I need. And I know it's something that you've really got into. It is, and I think anybody who hasn't listened to Stephen Fry reading the Harry Potter books, you've just never lived. So thank you for sponsoring Audible. <laughs> Joe would like a subscription. I've got my refunding. subscription. I would like it refunding seven ninety nine a month. Thank you very much. I would highly recommend anyway that any that somebody gets a trial. I would recommend you get a trial. Honestly, it's brilliant. And you can get a free trial at the minute by going to thatmintpodcast.co.uk forward slash audible. Um, and do you know what? I enjoy it when I'm driving to work and things like that. It's better than just listening to the radio. You really feel like you've learned something on your way to work. Honestly, have you never tried? No. Do you like a podcast? <laughs> Shit, that went wrong, didn't it? Do you like it when people talk in your general direction? <laughs> um, do you know what? I know that I'm a bit in the ye olden days with my necessity of having physical books, but I'm genuinely running out of space for them and I've never really felt the need to go and try audiobooks, but the fact that there is a free trial, actually, it, it might just be the incentive that I need, so... Honestly, I'll get your lugs around an audiobook. Um, you should check in with me at the next episode and see which book I listen to on Audible. I might find one and recommend it for you. Yeah, right? please do, yeah. If you think there'll be one that'll just turn me and make me that that person who listens to books rather than reads them. Oh, interesting. Challenge. Where's Stevie Wonder when you need him? Get him on the phone. <laughs> I didn't call to tell you I loved you, Stevie. <laughs> I called to tell you to download Audible, you can listen to some books. <laughs>
well that's it but i think i don't know how much of it was actually implemented because mm. everything just went out the window obviously the autumn budget wasn't done properly it was all around kind of covid and the job recovery and the support and stuff so now we're back to march we'll do pizza and beer again and um, probably just us two socially distanced etc etc but <laughs> Knowing how it was last time, what year we've had in between, I thought we could do a little game as to what you think he might do this time. And also, oh. starting first, do you think he'll appear more or less dishy this time? Uh, less dishy, I think he'll be, well, not less dishy, more worn. Because a bit weathered. <laughs> yes, I think he'll be grey. But you know, I quite like the grey hair yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but, so, do you think there's any room whatsoever for any positivity in this budget? Because literally there can't be any there can't be any fivers left to slip. Yeah, but you're saying that. And he keeps extending furlough, he keeps extending... Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, for the, the normal yeah, budgetary I... items, where are you going to, like, find any cash to do them? I don't know, because I think they're, they're running a real kind of risk at the minute if they don't want to upset people because they're already yeah. really stressed. So I think he's going to be sitting there with his little red box thinking, do I um, upset the people more because we need the money or do I just wait till the next budget or the, you know, the autumn statement before I start doing it? I'm sure he's exactly like, what like he the thinks. kind of guy thinking, I just want people to like us. I love it that they call us Dishy. No, no, yeah. But <laughs> he's buzzing. I bet nobody's ever called him Dishy. Yeah. I don't think any chance there is. Right, I'll go through some of the stuff Ooh, that they... Oh, Gordon Brown's a bit of a... <laughs> I'll go through some of the items that they normally cover in the budget. Tell me, firstly, what you hope will happen to it, but then secondly, what you think will actually happen okay. to it. Go so, on. corporation tax, which is the tax that companies pay on their profits. I think they'll have to um, put that down. Um, sorry, <coughs> sorry I, think, I don't think they'll increase that. Just because businesses out of everybody have been hit the hardest. Do you think they'll just keep it keep it steady? Yeah, keep it steady. I do think there might be some sort of, not a bailout, because we've already done that, but some kind of... Um, Greasing the wheels for businesses. Okay. Is grease the wheels a thing? <laughs> right, corporation tax, we think will stay steady. Steady, Eddie. Income tax, which is what everybody pays on their normal earned income, and it's the stuff that comes off your income before you receive it. You'll see it as PEYE on your slip. Um, I think lower and basic rate tax will stay the same, but I think there might be a change to higher rate tax or additional rate tax. And that there'll be more? That the threshold will mean you'll have... I think they'll try and target people with more money. So higher rate and additional, and you think we'll have to pay more. Um, fuel duty. Oh, I don't know. Where's the, all the bloody Which oil? Which is the tax on petrol. Yeah, where's the oil? <laughs> where's the oil? <laughs> um, I think it'll go up. It's flipping expensive at the minute though, isn't it? It's, it's one of those things that's gone under the radar again. But yeah. people are using it less. Yeah. Um, because they're commuting less. So they're having to recoup it. And I think that will go up. And that's all I think. People I think it's an easy win. the flipping roof still. Like, they're absolutely coining it in. I don't know how. I don't know where it's all gone. But, but yeah, I think you're right. It probably is an easy win. The important one, alcohol duty. The sad, sad one. I think it'll go up. Just because they'll be sitting there thinking, I can't believe we didn't put alcohol duty up when all everybody's done for the past year is drink. <laughs> yeah. They've just sat in their house and drank and we drank. We could have drank, drank our way out of the recession. We could have. I mean, I'm willing to play my part. I am, you know, we need you. <laughs> Speaking of which, you know what I heard this morning? What? Somebody in the office switched their bank account and the new bank provider, do you know what they gave them as an incentive to move their bank account to them? 15 bottles of wine. Right, okay. So Just saying, closing dates like, Friday. Like, what's that worth, like 150 quid? £180 voucher, 15 bottles of wine. Nice. To switch count. I've been with Barclays, something stupid, like 26 years. Because, you know, that, that thing around, you just stick with whoever your first account was with. Yep. And in 26 years, I haven't been tempted to move. But as of today, 
Um, anyway, I'm sorry. I I'll think call call um, Stamp duty holidays. I think that's due to end anyway, isn't it? I think that'll end. I don't Soon. think we'll extend it. I don't um, think. And I do actually think it's had an adverse effect because oh there's God. people in the office dying to buy houses and yeah. all the prices are Physically elevated. Can't, yeah. That will burst. Yeah. Um, the stamp duty holiday was a bad idea. Agree. Furlough. I think at the minute, is that April that's due to last yeah. term? I don't know how much longer that can go. It's got to stop, hasn't it's it? It's got to. Because I just think what we're going to see at the end of it is going to be a lot of unemployment, which is sad. But it's kind of ripped that plaster off. It needs yeah. to happen. And then maybe actually there'll be more incentive to get stuff done because there's so many people unemployed. Uh, self-employment support. Suppose it's it's kind of tied into furlough, isn't it? It's the same. It concept. is. It's the same. Yeah. And if he's going to do something for businesses, he might do a little bit of something for the self-employed. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be a major part of the budget because our producer must have been drunk when he did this. Once again, stamp duty holiday. <laughs> However, what he also didn't put on was pensions. So do you think there'll be any changes to that and pension tax relief? Um, well, I haven't tinkered with it for a little while. We haven't that. tinkered with it, and they do love to play they about don't. pensions. But the thing about the COVID and all the problems and everything that's happened is they haven't had the time to sit and fiddle about with stuff. True. Have they? Yeah. So I think they'll try and keep it as stable because as possible. Even because even when you fiddle it, it's like all the rules and the legislation yeah. need changing and, and providers all need updating. And yeah, busy at the minute. It's almost like I'd like to think bit. that this will be a stabilising budget. Yes, yeah. they'll, they'll put a couple of bits up, but I'd like to think they'll try and not rock the boat too much. Don't rock the boat, Rishi. Rock the boat. Um, um, capital gains tax um, I think they'll hit capital gains tax I that's, think that'll go up that's the rumour mill isn't it um, I think um, they will and it's an, again an easy win well it's controversial opinion Joe I disagree because so yeah capital gains tax is where you've made a gain mm-hmm. um, so you're allowed to make a gain on selling your house and you wouldn't pay tax or the lottery stuff like that um, but if you've made a lot of money in investments outside of a nice or a pension you would pay tax on it um, but also or if, if you have a second property to sell yep yeah, and you've made a lot of money on it but also if you've grown your own business and you yeah. sold it and it kind of links to corporation tax where especially post Brexit we haven't got the benefits of being part of Europe so they want the UK to be an attractive place to build and grow businesses because obviously that helps employment all the positives that come alongside it so if corporation tax goes up or you're going to tax people who've built up their own business they might think oh well I'll just set up my business in the Cayman Islands for example mm-hmm. so I think corporation tax is seen as an easy tax because it's like oh it's only those people who make loads of money anyway mm-hmm. But, and that's the thing with all of these, it's just a balance, isn't it? It's kind of it one is. has an impact on another and it, it affects is. different people in different ways. Yeah, and I mean, ideally, we don't want it to be that, but that's because we're in that kind of niche. The people who are just caring about the alcohol and cigarettes yeah. and how much petrol, they don't care if you want to pay capital gains tax on mm-hmm. your business selling. But that's a short term image, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, and I totally agree. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I'm just saying I think it'll it'll go up, and it might even split out to corporate and, and yeah. personal. Yeah, yeah. So oh, well, maybe we could get a job there. Slide into his DMs. Yeah, Jishy. <laughs> um, and finally, last year his um, lol was always <laughs> eat eat out to help out, and then was like, no, why did you all go out? Oh, catch the COVID. Get I can't back believe in. it. I actually think there's a lot of work to be done on that whole sector. Yeah. Hospitality, pubs, all of that kind of stuff, just because... Because um, we were saying yesterday, actually, that there'll be a lot of people, um, especially parents and grandparents, who, even if they reopen tomorrow, they've spent a year being terrified. Hence, the point of Eat Out to Help Out was to say... Get them actively back out, get yeah. them back out. And um, now it's been even longer, so they'll mm-hmm. just be thinking, I don't go out. So yeah. you are the Chancellor, and you need to come up with a campaign, right? It's safe, COVID's gone. You need to come up with a campaign to get people out again. What would it be? Well, you've literally put me on the spot, so I can't think of a great slogan. But what I was thinking is, drink, don't think. <laughs> Let's not worry about it. Nobody needs to worry. Get yourself out. Have a couple of bevies. <laughs> Chill out. Don't lick anyone. 
That's all we're saying. But Just in case, yeah. We that would be the rules anyway. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, I'm not drink, licking don't any... lick. <laughs> drink, don't lick. Um, Again, one, one to pop into Rishi's DMs. I can't wait to be sliding in there later. <laughs> um, that, there ends my TED Talk on what I think the budget will be this month. Cool. Well, we'll check back in on it, won't we, in the next episode? See oh, how accurate no, you were. I made it when they do oh, that. I made notes then. <gasps> Did you? Oh, yeah. Like even it's even like it's... quotations where you said uh, this will be a stabilising one. Oh, I like oh, no, that. No. Um, I mean, I lose these. Interesting. But, you know, it's recorded. You know, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> that was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> but you know, if only somebody could record it, <laughs> that would help. This podcast is sponsored by The Art of Finance. We'll make learning the world of finance interesting, modern and fun. So now we're going to sort in an interview that we had with Ola. She is a really exciting young person on the scene in finance at the minute. She she really inspired Cathy and I, and I'm really looking forward to sharing her interview with you. Um, apologies if there's any sound issues because we had to do it over Zoom because of the COVID. Yes. Yay, mint podcast via Zoom. Yay, cheers. cheers. <laughs> It's dark hair, just on the board. Well, look how nice and bright yours looks on the green thing. Yeah, but this isn't real. Zoom face isn't real. I don't look like a fuck bright hair in real life. I look absolutely ratty. And then, um... Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for agreeing to take part. Thank you for inviting me. So, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> um, so do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your background and things, please? Yeah, so I'm Ola. I am 23, soon to be 24 in September. I feel COVID just wiped a whole year of my life. So I will be turning 23 again in September. Um, (laughs) And I graduated last summer from the University of Birmingham, where I studied business management. Um, I originally had plans to travel to Australia, but obviously COVID took that away from me. So yeah, during the first lockdown, I became the founder of All Things Money, which is like a personal finance platform that kind of started on a whim just to kind of share some budgeting and investing and saving tips. And now a few months later, we're like a community of like over 4,000 across all my social media. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind few months, but I'm really happy with how everything's going at the moment. Why did you go from business management to talking about finance? So a couple of years ago, I did a placement year and I read this book by Laura Waitley, Money A User's Guide. And obviously doing business management, I thought I was pretty much clued up on everything about personal finance and I read the book and I was like oh my gosh I don't know anything about bills for starters <laughs> even though I lived in my own house at uni didn't know how like lifetime artists work didn't even know what that was at the time all of that so that was like my first initial thinking of like oh my gosh like, I, was, I was good at budgeting and saving like, I'd always saved and I saved like hard when I was doing my placement year but that really shocked me and then last year during the first lockdown obviously there was like a massive stock market dip so like my friend was like oh that now's the time to buy some stocks and shares and I was like oh okay like okay so I had like background knowledge but obviously I'd never actually made the plunge so I managed to like invest my, my, my first thousand and I was like oh okay I understand it now like I saw some growth and I was like okay if I can do it let me get all my friends on board so I managed to get five friends investing that same week and then I was like okay if I can get five friends investing why not create a platform where I can tell everyone else to invest because it's not only for me and my friends to enjoy like anyone can invest in the stock market so yeah all things money was kind of born from that (laughs) and how did you come up with the name all things money oh don't even that was (laughs) honestly that that was the bane of my life I remember talking to my friend I was like okay I didn't want to tell anyone about it because I didn't want anyone to judge I was like okay I'm thinking of like creating a little project and it's about money and I need some ideas and obviously there was a few podcasts out there so I was like 
this is like the kind of vibe I'm going for, so please help me. And oh my God, I think it took like a week <laughs> of like changing the names. I think I had over 20. I'll probably be able to find like screenshots. I said it to my friend like 10 times, like help me, help me. Um, and we kind of like narrowed it down to money matters and all things money. I really like it. And it says exactly that, isn't it? It is all things money. And it's kind of starting at the basics which is what's missing so what you tend mm. to do in finance is people who know nothing and yeah. people who feel like they know everything and um, it's one of our passions isn't it to kind of bring financial education to people mm. so from our perspective we work in regulated personal finance mm-hmm. it's always been a very male dominated industry um but from your perspective financial education and it's a lot of social media which is obviously mm. male weighted What's your experience of it? What you kind of seen in terms of finance? Is it is there still kind of a, a weight towards one sex or the other, or is it a bit more balanced in your? Space? Um, so interestingly, interestingly enough, the people, the financial influencers I follow, it's probably like nearly 50-50. Um, I probably swing more to the female just because I I like to make friends and like I don't know, just kind of naturally gravitate towards them. But from my following as well, the majority, like eighty percent of my following is female, mm. which is which I, I think at the beginning I wanted to just reach out to anyone. I was like, if you're twenty or sixty, like follow my page. But the majority is female, and I, I'm very happy it is in a way that not many females invest, statistically speaking. And I read this book by David Bash. I don't know if you guys have read it, but Smart Women Finish Rich, and he was speaking statistically again that a lot of women do not, when they're married, they don't know that income income they don't know you know how much their husband makes and I think it's very important that us females are very financially secure regardless of what happens and that god forbid say if you are married your husband dies or anything you want to be financially secure you want to be able to be like okay I know I was making xyz you know you're not didn't have hidden debt from you that you know that sometimes happens a lot to females so yeah it's quite interesting actually and and it is through a lack of female diversity and education for females when they're younger women need people role models or people that they can like peers that resonate with them yeah people need younger people telling them do some budgeting and take out your pension because they'll listen to another young person yeah female more than a six-year-old man saying do some budgeting you know it's just like the dad's telling them off yeah so it's it's that kind of I think it's not a bad thing that that is your following because actually that's kind of it's the area that needs it more like most men are from other men. I was very scared and I definitely had imposter syndrome when I started growing I think I got to my first thousand I was like oh people are actually looking up to me now like oh my gosh like what have I done but I was like at the end of the day I'm only sharing bits of information that I know myself I've personally experienced um so yeah I think the most I get asked about is generally talking about and it's, it's surprising because I've always been a budgeter and a saver and those people all my friends call me really tight so and um, that's that doesn't like me it just comes naturally where what's really interested me is that a lot of people especially in my community there are many mainly students and graduates a lot of them ask me about that that's the first thing they ask me about like how do I budget and how do I save way before even investing a lot of people don't even know how to set up a budget and that really surprised me because for me I've kind of taken that as took advantage of the fact that I just knew how to set a budget and I'd never really thought it was a big thing until now I think that's why it's continued to grow because people are actually like oh like you're talking about this and I didn't even know that existed and so that's definitely one thing that's definitely surprised me and I think it's just the need for financial education I think that's again something that's really interesting um 
not even just one specific topic, just generally the fact that people are flocking and they're like, oh, they're like, help me with this or help me with that. Or I'm just so glad if someone pushed your page. And I'm sure you guys have noticed as well. So what you said there about helping people, I think that's why we've always enjoyed being in finance because it's not about the numbers. It's about the impact on people's lives and it's about helping them get their, their dreams. I think that's the exciting thing about financial services and finance generally. And that's why I think your podcast was definitely a breath of fresh air when I was listening to your Christmas episode. Like it, And I think originally people would have been like, where's this finance come from like it's so boring why are you interested in it and I think it doesn't have to be boring like I mean it's exciting saving for a house I mean I don't know about you guys but I'm like looking forward to being able to be like put my name in a house and being like okay I saved this and you know finance doesn't have to be boring you can still enjoy yourself and I definitely am an advocate for that on all things money like I definitely enjoy myself at university I'm not gonna lie you girls you ladies are sat with your glasses of wine and I definitely had a good few at uni so you can definitely budget still for have fun like it doesn't have to be boring and I think that's again very important as well there's a direct correlation isn't it the more you budget it's almost the more fun you can have oh definitely you're not worried Mm -hmm. you know exactly how much you can save for a night out and you can really without worrying you've overspent but is the balance of you do need to plan for the future but you also need to live for today and that's kind of oh 100 saving can literally just be five pound a week like you even if you sacrifice that one starbucks coffee every week five pound a week it all adds up and i think that is something that's really important as well i think a lot of us young people associate with saving as buying a house to put like saving for a house deposit or it has to be millions or thousands yeah and it doesn't like the other a couple of weeks ago my tire went flat and i was lucky enough to have savings just to pay for a 40 pound tire i mean if i didn't have that i would like i wouldn't know where i'd be and i wouldn't want to be falling in, into an overdraft just because of a tire so yeah and that could have been like five weeks worth of five pound savings so yeah exactly that that's that it's that peace of mind isn't it are there any areas of personal finance that you're not yet that kind of confident in or areas that you've got identified that you know you want to kind of get stuck into and learn about Mm. 100 percent um taxes so i understand how like taxes when you're employed work this week self-employment tax has been the bane of my life (laughs) obviously at uni i was taught what an expense was and what an like what revenue is the basics I don't know what business expenses you can claim that is one thing I'm definitely learning and it wasn't really brought to my attention until a couple of girls that follow me were like I've got my small business like how does tax work and I was like well I can give you a generic like the first thousand pounds is free but after that no no idea (laughs) so yeah so that's one thing it's like a Russian doll isn't it you kind of Mm. big picture and then the more you delve into it the more intricate it becomes I had to do uh, our self-assessment at the weekend and then I had to call the accountant and say, I don't know what I've done here. Can you just... <laughs> And you work in finance. And I work in finance. Exactly. Not my speciality. So, you know. More and more people are like you and they are kind of going self-employed. There's a lot more freelancers. There's a lot more ability and creativity in the job market. And like you said, especially the past year with people having free more free time in the pandemic, like you said, a lot more people are freelancing, a lot more people are setting up their own businesses. Because I know a lot of my followers are graduates, so they're not employed at the moment. Some of them are really struggling to find jobs. They've all found their own side hustles, which I am a fan, a huge fan of. I had a couple of questions. So one is around um, pensions because we still think there's a huge mm. lack of awareness of pensions and a perception that for old people to worry about. And actually, you know, we're quite avid that um, people should be thinking about it much younger. So my first ebook, which I launched back in September, I was like, I have to include pensions. I was like, me wanting a, like a comfortable pet, like retirement is definitely at the forefront of my mind. I realised back in September I started with Aviva, and I was like, okay, I need to work out where my mon- where my money's been invested, how I can see how much money's in there, what 
is my current contribution because I did I'd like to add a bit more than the contribution that I'm adding at the moment so and it's actually something I'm covering on my Instagram this evening because when my letter came I opened it yesterday to my sister and my sister's 16 and she's like yeah but Ollie why are you getting your pension now I was like no no I'm not getting it now I'm like I'm like it's for old people I was like no 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 like but obviously I have to start saving for it now so I want to be rich when I grow old I don't want to be like scrounging for pennies from the government so and then I looked at the letter so I managed to get the app yesterday and where my in like my current pension invested, I think by the time I I reached sixty five, it would only I'd be able to live off eight thousand pound a year. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and I was like, I can't even live off that now. Like, that is poor. And I think a lot of people, obviously, where they're automatically enrolled into their pensions, they don't realise how little you actually might be contributing to it. Or okay, even if you are just doing the bare minimum looking at where it's being invested because where my money's being invested at the moment is not okay and obviously I've got so many years to invest that I could probably opt for a more riskier fund because obviously I've got so many years to ride up that stock market but again people don't know people just know oh yeah I'm adding to my pension but I think best to be going on um, bloody yacht cruises and everything when I'm retired I'm not here sitting in England we've done enough sitting around in England for this year I'm not doing it when I'm older (laughs) Oh, amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much, Harper. Well, I hope all goes well. Thanks very much. Thank you. Honestly, I genuinely think your website's brilliant. Oh, thank you. You know, what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. Well, that's another That Mint podcast episode. Thank you very much to the guys at Second Draft. To my co-host Kathy Harrison and to all the guys in marketing for all the great work that they do online and thank you to our guest Ola please rate review subscribe you can contact us at that mint podcast on twitter or send us an email hello at that mint um, we've also got if this wasn't enough for you an exciting new newsletter um, that will share um, behind the scenes content um, things that don't make it into the podcast and you'll be right if you're thinking there'll be a few naughty words and some inappropriate humour in there um, but all you have to do is pop onto the website um, thatminpodcast.co.uk and pop in your name and address email address you know we're not stalkers um, and we'll send it over to you Um, oh, so this was the seed you were looking for into the benches. You didn't call it a seed. What is it? Oh my god! <laughs> What's the word? Oh my god! Have I said it wrong again? Is it just a word I've read again? I need to start watching telly, don't I? <laughs> what is it? Tell me. Segway. What spell like that? Yes. <laughs> is that how it's spelled? It is when it's that. Not like the one that you write round is set it up. Yeah. I thought they were separate words. I genuinely thought they both were different words. Your mind's blown. I don't think that's continue. Type of ball Come on, let's take into it. Oh, and there's a <laughs> I was like, is she joking? And then you were dead serious about seeking. Honestly, I genuinely, I knew the word segue. It's not like I didn't know it. But you didn't Just... know the word seek. And why didn't you think of all? But Mark, I don't know what seek means. Because... It... I know I've read it thousands of times, so I just thought it was another word, like for segue. Another <laughs> word for segue that's spelled really similar. It's not spelled similar, though, isn't it? It's spelled Sieg. <laughs>
Sí, qué guay. 